Hello and welcome to the Travelling Through podcast. I'm your host Emma and each week I'm out and about chatting to Londoners and those who love, live and work in this big and glorious city. In this episode I went out to Pinner, which is in northwest London, to catch up with Charlotte Harker. Charlotte, when I first met her, was David Harker, and we talk about becoming transgender. We also talk about the importance of art, writing, and performance, and how identity and gender are two very different things. In her mind, it's connecting with the core of herself. These are Charlotte's thoughts on London, the world, and life. So, hello everyone. This is the Travelling Through podcast, and today I'm here with Charlotte Harker. We're sitting in a little cafe on the terrace in Pinner in Middlesex. And before we get up and start walking and talking, Charlotte is going to read two. What do you call them, Charlotte? Um, short form prose pieces. <laughs> okay, actually, before I show, so welcome to the Travelling Through podcast, Charlotte. Hello, Emma. <laughs> It's lovely to have you here. So you're going to read Thank you. two, two short-form pieces. And this is for a book that is going to be coming out later this year. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So it's with the publishing house at the moment, and you're just providing illustrations to go along with the book. Exactly, so yes. So we thought we'd uh, just give you, the podcast listeners, a little insight into what is about to be published to capture your imagination. Okay, thanks Emma. So, this short piece is titled Let's Go or Be Dragged. Last night, an 18th century man upturned my bookshelves and rearranged the furniture. This was another visit from a poltergeist who claimed to have dated and then been dumped by Jane Austen according to his quill pen scribblings in the inside covers of my copies of Sanderton and Sense and Sensibility. He revealed she had told him one day that he had delighted her enough. He suspected her decision had more to do with the inescapable fact that he was not in possession of a large wad of cash or recipient of a trust fund though he conceded since she had rejected him he was suffering from paranoia and couldn't truly believe that Jane could be quite that shallow. This troubled ghoul had been hassling me for some time. Now tired and perplexed, once again I began the task of clearing up. I reassembled the settee and brought the kitchen chairs in from the street and looked for the dog which had disappeared. I was informed by a neighbour who had received a text message from a friend at an airport of a sighting in a departure lounge. A Springer Spaniel with a cabin bag was seen waiting in a line to board a jet to an island in the Mediterranean. I collected my thoughts and considered my options. I decided I needed to reach an arrangement with this ruffled Georgian relic clearly lacking in self-esteem and enduring the pain of unrequited love for far too long in my opinion. I recalled, in Zen it is said, let go or be dragged. This brought me a modicum of calm. 
I wrote this wisdom down on a sheet of paper and placed it on a table in the hope that it would also help my supernatural intruder. I then shouted out, Listen, ghost, continue if you must, but leave the drinks cabinet as you found it, and please keep the noise down. I read out some of the house rules, packed my bag, and left my home, still in a monstrous chaos, as I embarked on a search for my evidently sensible spaniel. <laughs> That's fantastic. That's lovely. So this is your second one. I'll read this one. Okay. <laughs> so this one's called um, Purchases. I never intended to have a drink on that evening, but several hours into it, there had developed a neat row of empty bottles of Merlot on the coffee table. Fortified, it would appear I had made the decision to go online. Acting on a discovery that I was low on toothpaste, within a few minutes I had selected the buy now option and confirmed my purchase of a 10-pack of Colgate's finest. I was informed it would be delivered by Royal Mail. This much I do remember. I imagined a knock at the door and a man wearing an ornate peat cap handing me a parcel as he said, your toothpaste delivery, madam. Accounting for the rest of the evening is challenging. I can only rely on flashbacks mostly of the computer keyboard. I was kept occupied the following week by fielding deliveries. The routine was a knock at the door and as I opened it, the view of a man walking away having left a parcel in the porch. By the end of the week, my home and grounds were stacked with items, which included four metres of electrical cabling, two kittens, a cockatiel, two reclining chairs, two deck chairs, a sedan chair, 25 one-litre bottles of lighter fluid, the new encyclopedia of Morris dancing, 10 carriage clocks, and a life-size waxwork figure of Orson Welles. On the drive was parked a restored Sotwith Camel biplane built in 1917 for the Royal Flying Corps, according to the owner's manual. I had also received emails which confirmed these purchases as well as a message of thanks from a donation to an alpaca sanctuary in Peru. <laughs> With this message was enclosed a photo of the alpaca I was sponsoring. She was called Maria Jesus Sanchez. Apparently my financial help would attend to her welfare, bringing joy to the life of a formerly lost alpaca and the chance of a prosperous future. I had also received confirmation of my enrolment on courses in kayaking, learn Mongolian in six weeks and how to play the harp. I looked over at the instrument I had acquired. It was standing partly unwrapped in the corner of the room, on top of which was perched the cockatiel. I felt hapless as I surveyed the scene. I also felt dizzy. One of the kittens looked at me and said, What the bloody hell are we doing here? You don't like cats. <laughs> I looked at the emails and the photo of Maria the alpaca. I had always wanted to go to South America. I hoped that I would one day. <laughs> that's fantastic. So that's a very, very good lesson to anybody. <laughs> don't go online when you've Second, had a few. Had a few drinks. <laughs> oh, thanks. Well, now, listeners, we're about to head off and do a walk around Pinner um, and to 
which is, which is about 14th century, is it? 13th century. I think the oldest part is where the church is, where it's been the site of worship, I think, since about the 1300s or something like that. Um, so, that, yeah, there's an old high street with buildings about the 16th century. Um, Oh, the Pin of Fair, yeah, that's been going for hundreds of years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So very old. So, okay, let's have a last sip of my coffee. So for those wondering when your book is due to come out and what your book is called, what is it called? So um, the book's called The Novel and Other Incidents, mm -hmm. and it's a collection of... Um, some of them are prose poems, um, and some, and there's a sh short story in there, and some quite short form prose pieces. Um, and at the moment, I'm working on drawings for some of them, where I think it it would help the piece of work, but some of them don't really need illustrations. Okay. And so I'm hoping that it will be out sometime during the summer. Okay. Through. TSL publications. Fantastic. So, and that'll be on your Instagram feed. And yes, it will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, so, Charlotte, I was trying to remember. Let's start at the very beginning yeah. of, of when we first met. In fact, I think <laughs> too many cables. Right. If you hang on to that bit for a sec. Mm -hmm. Okay. I think we're there. Thank you. So, yes. So. so <laughs> bit of a wire reconnection there. So, Charlotte, the first time we met, I think it was with, you came to the shop because you were doing a recital of poetry with Tani Yoselov. Yeah, I, th I think so. Yeah, I know. I Because um, I, I worked with Tammy on a, we did a book together where I did the draw it, um, I did the drawings in response to, well in fact she, she wrote her poetry in response to my drawings, we, we produced this book together. I'm trying to think of the order of things, so we, um, she I must have come to the, your place to read her word, didn't she? she? Did. And I was there. You must have been there, that's yeah, why, yeah, that's why yeah, you're right. Yeah. And then and I the, think I spoke to you. And then I came back, didn't I, to see you. Yeah. That's how it happened. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting all, I, I like to get these, it's funny yeah. how you want to get it exactly right <laughs> and you think it's so many things have happened. Yeah. I, think I have to like, you know. Well, it was 2014, uh, I so know, we're talking I know. Because I'd already worked with Tammy on this Nowhere's project, you see. <laughs> And um, yeah, that's right. So I, um, yeah, that's when I first met you, when Tammy came to read some of her own work at an event um, at Travelling Through. And then yes. I came back again with a proposal to exhibit some of my work with you. And that included some of my tree drawings and some of my drawings of architecture. Exactly, because I think I, um, I, you had your species of trees book. Yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. And um, I love the trees. That, that yeah, that was yeah. something that I developed over quite a few years of me looking at graphic art from China and Japan, things like woodblock printing, and I wanted to try and find a way of, of sort of evoking 
some of that kind of work. You know, it's quite, when you look at the detail of it, it's quite simplistic, but it's also complicated at the same time. And I yeah. just happened to choose trees as a subject matter. Yes. And then the whole work developed from there. And I just did these series of trees and, and produced a book called Species of Trees, which somebody wrote an essay, a curator called Kira Healy, who now lives in Ireland. And so I think I, I must have come to see you to show some of that work, didn't you I? Did, yeah. that's right. And I, I, yeah. I mean, I was just fascinated by your, or captivated by your tree because of the attention to detail, as you say. It looked very simplistic in some ways, but in fact the detail involved with, with every tree. Well, there were very, yeah, there were, were portraits, really. I'd chosen very specific trees, in, and a lot of them came from, you know, Parks in Pinner, actually. Oh, did they? Yeah. Which is the, where we are today. Yeah, probably one or two, <laughs> probably. Yeah. Um, what what um, got you into particularly trees? Why, why trees? Is it, do you love trees? I do think it was well, trees? actually, no. I I think what it was more. I looked at all of this work from Japan and China. All this, the, the way like some 19th century Japanese artists used line and marks in their paintings and prints yeah. and, and in woodblock printing and I, I didn't at first, I didn't specifically grab, uh, gravitate to the trees as a subject matter but I yeah. decided oh, I'll draw this particular tree in the park and, and try and do that so it was kind of driven a bit more about how a way of drawing yeah, yeah. and then and then because then I chose just to draw the tree itself without any setting, mm -hmm. then it really became a study in that kind of mark making, yes. as well as drawing a very specific particular tree, a portrait of a particular tree. Yeah. And I think that's kind of how it evolved rather than, I mean, everybody loves trees, that's Thank for sure, you. you know, and I think, you know, it's really, uh, and they are in, incredible forms in nature and they so stand more than us as humans they do yeah <laughs> they exactly yeah <laughs> and it's interesting some of the trees I have drawn in Pinna since I've drawn them some of them have suffered storm damage so the shapes changed you know yes. and um, or you know they've you're capturing a moment in time as well it is I think so yeah or whatever it is. And the same with... And they're really abstract at the same time, you see. That's yes. what I mean about the mark making. It's, uh -huh. it's an incredibly abstract yeah. idea as well. Yeah. And, uh, and also, when I draw them, I'm really conscious about the space between the marks yeah. and the branch structure, the space you don't draw. Yes. Um, it's a really nice idea, I think, that the space between. So it's a real <coughs> study, isn't it? I it mean, is, spend a yeah. Lot of time. Yeah, it is. Do you do, you yeah. do that by studying the tree, you know, in front of the tree, or do you take photographs and then go back? So the process in particular with that work was that I would go um, in, in front of the tree and choose a particular viewpoint, and I would yeah. do lots of sketches just to get, just to start to sort of familiarise myself about the branch structure. Yeah. And these would be all like a little bit like visual notes. Um, and I'd, I'd take some photos as well, and then, but it, it would be a very specific viewpoint. Okay. So by constantly sort of going back and looking at the tree and then just, just keep seeing it and keep seeing which you know, drawing is more or less 
for me anyway, is about looking and just, and as you slowly get more familiar with the, your subject, yeah. you know, you, more information you pick up on. And so I go through that and then with the information I've got on site, what I do then is I use a grid over either some of my studies or a photograph and then I start to build up the drawing okay. using these small marks that way. Ah. So I, use, I do that in the studio yes. because the way I'm doing it is a really slow process. It's yeah. like a build up of just these um, tiny little marks that in the end end up having being fields of texture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very methodical. It is, yeah, but it's also it's really meditative. Yes. And and I maybe work on the small sections of it and of the tree and then do little bits and come back to it again and Yeah. Yeah, so so we're at the church we now. Are at church now, I know. <laughs> you know so what? this I is never knew I know. Was so old. <laughs> I know, I know. And this church is really lovely. Yes, it's beautiful. Well there you are. Look the at the Pinner Parish Church seven hundred. Yeah. 1321 to 2021. Yeah. My goodness. So the view we've got here is um, is of the old, the oldest part of Pinner, the old high street. Yes, look at and all the... Yeah, um, it's really well preserved, it isn't is, it? It is, isn't it? So there's no, there's no yeah. um, loft conversions or anything like no, that. No, no. So I think the buildings there are sort of a mixture of... I think the earliest one's about 1500s, I think. Yeah. Is it then, a good, there's a good pub there, is it a good there pub? There is a, <laughs> the Queen's Head, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice pub. I've done a drawing of that actually, because okay. I've done some drawings of um, uh, some of the, some of the buildings in Pinner. Mm -hmm. And I've actually done a drawing of the church actually. Yeah, I remember. I think yeah. That you were doing that when you were uh, oh, at, yeah. came to Travelling Through. I think you were working on that. Oh, too, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you're right. How do you choose buildings? Because as well as doing sort of nature Yeah, the architecture is something else. Yeah, it's, um, I think with Pinna, I mean, I've lived here for 30 years and, and you know, I'm really familiar with the environment and I, I don't know why I choose certain buildings. I mean, I think with the Queen's Head, for example, it's, it's, to be honest, the, the short answer is I really don't know sometimes what draws me to draw something. Isn't that, that's I fun. just simply don't. I yeah. just think, oh, well, I'll do that. It's a really organic process, I yes. think. And I, um, I think that's... Sometimes it's best not to think about it too much when you embark it. You think, well, I'm drawn to, to, to make an image of that, so yeah. I'll do it, you know. That's part of the creative... Um, I think process, so. Yeah, that, I think that so. You're not necessarily, it's not somebody's asked you to do it, it's just no, you're drawn to it and then in, you start and working it, it on it. Yeah, yeah. and um, and yeah. also and also I think it's this abstract idea as well is that in drawing it's the process is really the way it evolves and the way you find the more you go deeper into drawing something, the more you find its complexities and its rhythms and its proportions and, mm -hmm. and which could apply to anything, you know, whatever yeah. you're drawing, the same thing applies. Um, it's that process which, yeah. which reveals as you go into it. And yeah. I think that's a, quite a big driver as well. Drawing has always been like that for me. It's just an amazing activity because it just reveals things that surprising and but there's always like a grounding in it you know 
because when I was at art college, I drew a lot from life and and tried to sort of teach myself how to look and how to break things down mm -hmm. into composition and and spatial elements. And once I'd kind of worked my way through that, then I apply it every time I draw. You know. Yes. But your yeah. your background before um, you went to <coughs> art college, you you'd, was it drafting? Were you doing? Yeah. I, well, I. I studied um, something called urban economics and there was part of that course um, we did a lot of architectural drawing and layout drawing mm -hmm. for new developments and so I did quite a lot of at the time I was doing it we were sitting at drawing boards with architects drawing pens yeah, and yeah. No, no CAD machines no CAD machines <laughs> no I did that degree in Sheffield and then that brought me down to London and then I did my fine art degree in London. I mean, you could say, oh yeah, there's the architectural side of it comes from that, but I'm not sure. It's just, I think it's just drawing Part really. It's just drawing and, um, and making marks. And, um, but it's a particular process. I mean, your style of, of artwork and, and drawing, it is very, uh, I, I, I see, you, you, that you have an architect's eye in terms of the style rather than... Um, it's a really interesting, the work that you've seen of mine, it's, yeah, there's quite a lot of it which is sort of to do with structures and, yes. and, and I... But when I was at Hart College and sometime afterwards I worked in really loose ways as mm -hmm. well mm -hmm. to do with surface and texture and build-up of texture and and I paint too you see so it's kind of I suppose um, I mean I, I think that's just a lot of my work that you're familiar with is is, to, is that kind of structural sure. stuff yeah you have and there's this other element in me which mm -hmm. I th realize that is it's sort of responsive you know so I'm looking at maybe if I'm painting and I'm working on a you know so when I left art college I was working on a lot of large um, panels of layered paint mm -hmm. And it was all about the surface and what kind of surfaces I was creating. Right. And then in that process, it was me just looking at the way those surfaces would develop and get more complex the more layered they were put down. So whatever was happening there was a sort of another artistic eye, I guess, mm -hmm. that I was trying to create something that had this depth and translucency to it, you know, mm -hmm. that you get drawn into it that way. So I suppose it's just an artistic process and I make portraits as well and um, but I suppose the, the common feature that underpins all of that is does come back to drawing so even when I paint as well mm -hmm. it, it does come back to that you know it comes back to that process of how to sort of organize um, texture and color and line and but I I think quite a lot of my body of work is part of that structural side of it, but because of my writing and my illustration and me working in dry point and printmaking media and, and painting as well. I think, in fact, before I met you, I did do a project with a health centre where I made portrait paintings to some of the staff yes. and drawings. So. I think it's process. I think that's what I would say. Mm -hmm. It's process. But I, I mean, I always knew that in drawing, at least I gave myself a really good basis from which to explore lots of other things, you know. Sure. Because that seems to be the key to a lot of 
and making a lot pictures. Of, a lot of what I've seen, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I haven't seen all of your stuff, obviously, all of your creativity, creative side, but a lot of it is in black and white and texture rather than in colour. And is that is that your preference to work with with uh, charcoal or pencil and pen um, rather than in, in with paint? It sort of has... <laughs> Is that just this is just it's, it's a lot of work that you've seen yeah it has been that way i i mean even with my paintings they can be quite muted i think um but i the thing is even when i say that i know that i've done work that's not been like that it's yeah. a kind of really sort of it's whatever is happening at the time i think sure. you know how i'm but i'm as i say i always knew that drawing was really core part of my work mm -hmm. and that has led that that has led me into branching out into those other elements. I mentioned dry point printmaking which I did for a few years yeah. and then that led me into making work which had a lot more layered and heavy textures on it and there was some colour that came into that as well okay. um, so even as I say even when I paint and even when I do experiment with colour there's always that underpinning of drawing and yeah. looking and yeah. um and where where is it should we walk and yeah walk let's, and talk, let's do that it? yes let's go, go back down the street and we'll go to the park yeah. <laughs> yeah. um where at the moment is your your creativity on the art side taking you i think um well working on the book um and also recently i did a, a commission for a writer and did illustrations for her book so doing this work has sort of widened my subject matter mm -hmm. um, and I think at the moment my writing and my visual work it's, it's sort of opened up quite a lot so I'm also working on some paintings at the moment yes. which are a mixture of there's some portraits uh, and there's some pieces of work which combine different elements so in fact there may well be one piece online where I, I chose three different like a building a figure and I think there's an aircraft in one of them and anyway I combined those into a, an image mm -hmm. um, and it was sort of this idea of trying to get my work into a place where maybe it had a more of a narrative drive to it or a um, because obviously if you see a landscape or if you see a drawing of a building you're engaging with the artwork for you know you ask kind of questions oh where is that building and yeah. how old is it you know there's lots of questions like that yeah. but if if I start to put different elements of an image together it's then opens up all kinds of other questions or I put a figure in it mm -hmm. it opens up issues about narrative which are different to that it could have an emotional drive to it it could um, so I really, that's an outside of my work that I really feel like that I could really develop. Okay. Um, I mean, in fact, the project that I've been doing with a poet is connected with St Pancras Churchyard. Mm. I've done drawings for that, some of the churchyard and some elements of, you know, some, some of the stone carvings there or the buildings or the trees or... Um, and that's where some of this narrative-based work came out of it. Okay. So there's some images where there are figures in these settings, which is very different to what I've done before. Right. It, because it, as soon as you add that element, 
there's a whole different reading of it. You know, the viewer sees it in a different way without yes. without necessarily specifying precisely what the story is. Yes, yes. It's just by putting those elements into it that you just change the way the viewer looks at it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it also it might mean something for me in a different way without me being really prescriptive about it. I mean, it's a little bit like my writing, really, that when I've written something, I don't really know the origin of it. It just sort of comes out through the process. Yeah. You know, I can't really specifically say, oh, yeah, that's... I might have an eye loose idea, but then that's the whole point, really. It's just to try and give the viewer something that's not too prescriptive. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, I mean, in a way, you could say when I was explaining about the tree drawings, if I, as I unpacked it and the, how I got to it, it's not each viewer will come to it and look at this in, in, in even in that way. in a different yeah, way, of course, you know. Yes, but, sees but, and yeah, um, so the project I'm doing at St Pancras Churchyard yes. with this writer is something where, you know, there are pieces of work that come out of that that I would not have normally done. I mean, that's one of the things I like about collaborations with people is that you do start to think that dynamic brings in other thoughts in your own yeah, work, you know, input, yeah, like yeah, and another place, yeah. yeah, and so, um, so uh, Louise Warren, she's, um, so she's written, so our project's called um, Sometime in a Churchyard, okay. and we've, um, we're planning an exhibition in, in autumn, which will hopefully be at St Pancras Old Church okay. and possibly at the, yeah, it's a really, really beautiful church, really. So the way we worked was we um, decided that, and it's more or less with a lot of my other collaborations with Tammy Yosiloff as well, is that we decided that we weren't going to be, be um, prescriptive about it about the way we work we just wanted to do work in a kind of very responsive way sure. so in okay. other words that in in this case it's with this project at St Pancras Louise had sometimes written some poems that I thought oh I can I'll try and respond to that poem yeah and or I made a drawing and I sent it to her what do you think can you write something about that or, mm -hmm. and th those would always be jumping off points okay it would never be, oh, well, I'm now going to illustrate the, that poem. I'm not going to describe that poem. I'm going to use it as my starting point. Sure, okay. So it's a much um, more open... So they sit together, yes. but they can also work by themselves as well. Yes. And, and that was something about... Um, it's just this idea of not trying to be too prescriptive about an image or a piece of writing, you know. Mm -hmm. Because with Tammy's work, that was uh, nowhere, and uh, so, that was an interesting yeah, collaboration. Yeah, it was. We really got into that because we were both interested in these spaces that were called liminal spaces. So they were sort of, they weren't suburban or strictly urban or, or particularly rural. They were somewhere in between, you know. Yeah. So there were lots of things in there which were like old industrial sites and... Um, ancient monuments uh, and so our project Nowheres was sort of it was around that sort of subject. And when you go um, into those collaboration projects where, where in, in that instance uh, Tammy was doing yeah. um, all, the, all the writing for it. She was doing the poems, yeah. She was doing the poems and you were doing the illustrations. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever find, do, do you have to set your mind 
in that vein that I'm illustrating. I'm not writing. Well, I'm not writing. I'm not writing. Um, so. Oh yeah, no, I'm very much like if that's the arrangement. I'm, yeah. I mean, well, actually, funnily enough, when I did the project with Tammy, we had a show at the Poetry Cafe, and as part of that exhibition, um, we did a workshop where we got poets to to draw and artists to write, and that's. In that particular workshop, that's when I did start writing a lot more often in response to my own work. Okay. So that was interesting how that worked. So it was a development. It was a development stage of that, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, the actual, yeah. If I'm involved in collaboration like that, I would tend to sort of we agree, oh, we'll we'll work in this media together, and this is how it's going to sort of work without. You know, maybe that's just the main prescription we put on it. I mean, I'm, there might be something that come out of it as a result of the process that I might write as a separate project, you yes, know. Yes. You know, that can always happen. Because yeah. a lot of my writing does sort of come up. Sometimes it could be a fr- something that somebody said to me or, yes. you know, so it could be really... Um, uh, and you're, you've also done a number of <coughs> residences. Where, residences yes, so, yes. Sorry, where where um, yeah. uh, Victoria Park was one, I one, think, when... when and, yeah. Yeah, the Heath Robinson Museum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was the and first artist and resident at this museum. This was the first. Oh, yeah, great. So yeah. Good that we're into it. Um, and what comes out of those residences? Do you find it, it really influences the way you develop going forward with your artwork or with your writing? Oh yeah, most definitely. I think it's just the people that you meet on it and. Mm-hmm. And the way they work and at Victoria Park I was working with another artist who worked with found objects yeah. and, um, and oh yeah definitely that dynamic really does affect the way you it opens up other possibilities you, you would never have thought of until yeah. you met that person yeah. yeah is it something that you you mentally actually go looking for to do residences because you feel that bring something else um, or was it just a, a kind of development phase that you wanted to I think to it was just a development phase or, or meeting someone that was like my work or yeah I again I don't think anything has been really prescriptive you see <laughs> it's just sort of evolved yes it's very organic it's sort of evolved I think and so this is the Pinna Memorial Park. Okay, and why is it um, a memorial park, memorial to the war, or is it? To um, so there is a little war memorial in West House, which mm-hmm. is the main building. Lots of trees. Actually, West House is the subject of another collaboration, which was the most recent one, which okay. was, which was with a, again, because I've lived here for such a long while, and I knew this poet who lived locally as well, and yes. he said, "Well, why don't we try and." produce a book which is a response to the house you know because West House is a manor house and has been part of Pinner for over a hundred years and a relative of uh, Lord Nelson grew up here. Okay, actually, um, Pinner's very famous, isn't it? Because it's where Elton John was. <laughs> yeah, that's was, right. Did he was he born here or something? And, um, and was brought up here. I think so. Yeah, he was. There's a lot of trees. I know. It's actually, a really mature park now. Geez, I know. Look at all the new buds coming on this one. In fact, the, that tree straight ahead, that's. Um, which is... Um, is that a cedar tree? No, no it's not pine? a cedar, it's a Scots pine. Yeah. And that 
is one of the trees that I've drawn. But that actually, I know now from my own mental note of the shape, the shape has changed, the growth has changed. I drew it a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, do you have your, your favourite trees as a, as a result of having um, drawn them? Yeah, I think I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is a pine in Pinnewick which I've drawn, which, which is called a European black pine, which is really tall and quite majestic looking, which I really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some willows. And it's lovely I mean, a lot park, of them were imported. I think the Victorians imported a lot of trees yeah. from different parts of the world. So the tall one next to the house there is, um, is a type of cypress, which is not indigenous to. Okay. Yeah, you can um, see this this one here. Is this a oak tree? Is uh, it? So that one is. Um, I think is this one is a type of. I think that is a type of willow, actually. Okay. Yeah, is because that was the other things I found out about drawing trees is that sometimes the shapes don't match up to what your image of that type of species of tree yeah, would be. So obviously yeah. they're all kind of different t sorts of oaks different types of beeches or willows. Yeah, yeah. It's more to do with the leaf shape. Okay. Um, you, and it's, this part is quite a lot of branches have come down from the yeah. recent storms, haven't they? So, so, I mean, with the Heath Robinson Museum, I um, did look at a lot of Heath Robinson's work and made drawings from his work just to try and understand it. And then I did a project where I got all the museum staff to yeah. sort of reenacted some of the, because um, um, there's, his work is populated with so many figures and so many things going on so yeah. I just thought it would be quite good if I reenacted some of this and got people to take the positions of some of these figures and then I did drawings from them so that right. was really fun it was quite a collective thing yeah. I did. Um, so there's, there's that phrase know, isn't there oh it's very Heath Robinson. I, I think well people sort of used to think oh Heath Robinson was this inventor or some people did and it's and of course you know he got really famous for making these over elaborate contraptions to do the most similar things in his drawings, you know. But also, he was, I would say, he was a gentle satirist as well. He was. Was he from this area? He lived in Pinner for a few years okay. in, I think, in the early 1900s. Okay. So, for the podcast listeners who, who don't know anything about Keith Robinson, how would you um, sum up who um, he is? I would say. He's a major English illustrator from the early, early 1900s who, the way I see it, is he was, he was a sort of satirist, but I think a lot of his images, they're all really comical as well and mm -hmm. ridiculous and absurd. But I think there's more to it than just those little contractions. I think there's, you know, some of the figures he depicts are very archetypal, that kind of figure or that, you know, um, scientist or bank manager or it's incredibly English. And I think during the First World War, he did sort of, he, he kind of helped cheer people up as well. You know, it was really important thing of what he did. So he did lots of, lots of satirical things about, you know, about what they were going through and everything. Yeah. So I would say he's a, a bit of a satirist as well. Okay. And he did a lot of illustrations for uh, books and magazines. Yeah, cool. yeah. so I, that's I, how I'd see it. Yeah, no, I had no idea that there was a museum. Yeah, so this has got a lot of his work. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's the, I think it's the only museum in the country that has a collection of his work. Okay. You know, all, all in one place, so you can see... Um, I mean, the main message is that it's just... Because I think... It's very Heath Robinson sort of got into the English language about meaning something that was really like 
hastily put together to do a task, you yes. know. Um, when in fact he's a bit more sophisticated than that, yeah, you know. Yeah. So, um, so anybody wanting to come and have a look at the museum, at his museum of work, um, it's in Pinner, which is in Middlesex. In Middlesex and, and uh, on the Metropolitan Line. Baker yeah. Street. From Baker Street, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, not too far. Yeah, so I, I'm. I'm. Uh, it's the first time I've ever been in this area of, of very much north west yeah. London. What were we talking about? Okay, good question. <laughs> we're talking about Heath Robinson. We talked about Heath, Heath Robinson, Robinson and, and, and also the museum. The yeah, the residency. Yeah, so it was about six six months, and so it was a sort of very symbiotic relationship with the museum in that I would be there in their more public space so I would talk to everyone about what I was doing yes. in the residency and how okay. I was sort of responding to Heath Robinson's work and working on my own work just being there and then doing that particular project I mentioned with the museum volunteers so that I had a little show at the end of it yes. about that project oh, about that and it was kind of like yeah just to sort of draw attention to the content of his work really yes yes I mean, the, the, the work is so theatrical, there's so much going on. I was completely unaware that there's a, mm. it's a really good like, cafe as well, it's good community, yeah. it's very well supported, it is. isn't it? On a, Definitely. On a Tuesday lunchtime, isn't it? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, no, it's a really nice, yeah, so the main building there is what's sort of left, the, I mean, West House has been really, really improved, it was derelict for a number of years mm -hmm. before the museum was built, and then, and then it's been really, just really improved and looks really beautiful now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Providing a, a real community space. Yeah, it is, yeah. So Charlotte, when we first met and you came into the shop, you were David Harker. I was, time. yes. And, yeah. um, and that's how I met you through, through Tammy and, yeah. uh, and, your, and first saw your work in yeah. Species of Trees. And then, yeah. so, it would be great to do an exhibition at Travelling Through because I think your work will appeal yeah. to a lot of the customers. Yes. And um, so you said, oh yes, for sure, but let's leave it for six months and yes. in more of a more of yeah. a better place to, to come in. And, yeah. and uh, I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. Yeah, there was quite you. a lot going on yes. behind the scenes. And yeah. uh, you came in to discuss how we were going to set up the exhibition. Yeah. And you came into the shop. Uh, Charlotte. Uh, Charlotte. <laughs> in fact, actually, when you came into the shop, I said, oh, hello, David, but I knew <laughs> you weren't David because you, you were addressed as a, as a woman. Yes. And I remember mm. saying to you, so you're, clearly you're not David, so what's your name? And you went, oh, good point. <laughs> At that time, I think you were still getting used to the idea of being yeah. Charlotte. Yeah, I think, yeah, I can't really remember exactly. I do remember meeting you that first time and then the second time, but I think that... Um, yeah, around about that time, I was going through quite a lot of um, psychotherapy and and this process for me of transition mm -hmm. has taken many, many years yeah. for as long as I can remember. And I think when I met you, it was kind of that time when an awful lot was going on and I sort of went through this other phase of transitioning. Yeah. And which you can imagine it has all kinds of sort of you know emotional and psychological elements to it yeah, you know yeah. um and I, I 
I think I'd already decided on the name Charlotte, but of course everybody then, I wanted everybody to call me by that name, you know. <laughs> and it was like I was sort of, you know, slowly, and again, organically turning Adapting, into this person yeah. that I've always was. Yeah, yeah. And, um, in, you know, particularly when I'd had all that time and people seeing me in one way, you know. Um, but it's been... It's been successful and, and a very yeah. courageous, a courageous moment when you actually say, "Right, I'm, yeah, I'm, now, I'm, now, I'm Charlotte, a woman." I'm now Charlotte, and, and, and yeah, and, and I yeah. Seeing how people react to that. I mean, for for us and travelling through. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't no, really, no. I mean, you just accept people the way they are. What they of course. Maybe is what what yeah. you want to be is most important. Yeah. Um, I never thought it was courageous, you see. I just it was just something which I I didn't feel I had any choice yeah, over. Yeah. Yeah. And um um But some people don't ever respond no. to how they feel that you did and that's where I see the courage that right. you, you, you yeah. responded to who who you believed yeah. who you believe you are rather than play a game yeah. and, and live this fake life. Or perhaps um, I'm wrong, perhaps I'm putting words in your No, no, I mean, it was something that um, I, I always knew something was not quite right. Mm -hmm. I always knew that. Yeah. And, um, and each, each uh, transgender experience is very individual, it's mm -hmm. very different, and it's very, you know, and mine is my experience. Yes which is full of all kinds of little components that I don't always, probably never get to the bottom of, but it was more the fact that in going through this process of conflict in the past with myself and uh, not understanding entirely and then going through the process has, has made me a more settled and happier person. Mm. And, um, you know, and even choosing to take hormones and going through that process is, just sort of deepen that yeah, and yeah. um and it's yeah it, it's just it's just really individual i think have you had a lot uh, of support from your from your circle of friends or yeah your i of have friends? yeah i have yeah um, they were always being supportive of me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and um and with an artist community as well yeah creativity it, it's almost like an, an extension of of your creativity? Well, I try not to frame it like that because mm -hmm. none of my work addresses gender. Yes. And I, I want, I mean, I didn't really consciously avoid it. I just, it, I was never moved to do it because I never felt that this was something that somehow I had to, um, you know, because it was my personal experience. You, you know, there's no like, so it's different, you know, it's yeah. separate. Yeah. It's uh, and um, because it doesn't change. I think gender and identity are different things. You see, mm -hmm. I think gender is, um, and so my identity and my identity through my artwork and stuff is not related to my gender. And that identity you know. has stayed constant in terms of your artwork and your creativity. Yeah, I think it's so. Nothing yeah. Has changed at all. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's so. kind of... I never felt moved to do it. I mean, there might be... Um, 
I mean, there's, I mean, some of the figures I choose to put in my work are more 90% female, yeah. but that's not really a conscious decision as such. Right. It's just that's how it turned out. You yeah. Know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a complicated, intricate thing, really, for each individual, you know. Of course. I mean, it, I, you know, I'm glad that LGBTQ plus issues are on the agenda and being talked about in terms of equality and all this sort of thing but I never again I never thought it was like oh well I'm joining this big society now I never really felt it like that I just mm -hmm. felt this is just a struggle I had with myself yeah rather than it being some bigger thing you know mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because uh, it's a mental health issue as well you know it's kind of something where you have to sort of uh, just work on yourself and sure. Um, and not everybody maybe appreciates the fact that that can be the case with some transgender mm -hmm. women. And so how how do you are, are you how do you refer to your yourself and your in this trans in this change for you as pronouns? Yes, as she and her. And this the fact that there's um, a community of LGBTQ plus. Is that something that, although it's an individual, oops, let's not get run over. Although it's an individual um, process for you, have you felt knowing that that community exists and is there, has that provided extra support for you, or have you very much not needed that? Um, it's yeah, I. I I did get support through the NHS who had um, set up um, gender specialist services. Yeah, I have kind of accessed that. Yeah. Whether it's through just some counselling or whether... And my hormone... Excuse me, my hormone regime is, is via referrals from my GP and so on. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't say... I've completely relied upon it because I think it's, but it it is, you know, I have it. I have found it useful at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, where there's been, um, yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, yeah. Because I, I just, just but it's not been overwhelming. It's not like it's been entirely like constant and that's yeah, when yeah. I've needed it. You know? Yeah, because I noticed as we're walking around mm. how a lot of the neighbourhoods community around here know, know you because yeah, you've lived do. here for so long. Yeah, because I've lived here so long. Yeah, yeah. and they just embraced you yeah. as, a, yeah. as a person, well, as Some individual. people knew me before, you see, and then... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, they just... Because that's really how... Has that been a real comfort that they've, they, they have embraced you <coughs> as who you are as an individual? Yeah, about, I think so, about, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, it's definitely... It's definitely helped, mm. yeah, definitely. It's made it a lot easier. It's made it a lot. I mean, ultimately, it's you know, it's it's for me to be happy. Of course. Yeah, having that kind of support is really important. Yeah, yeah. As well. Because um, I think you know, it's you know, writing and making art, and you know, that's that's the most important thing. And the question of my my gender is not, you know, that's really comes from deeply within me. You know. Yes. It doesn't inform your art no, because your art and your creativity no. is already 
Yeah. You. It's, I mean, when we talk about all these things about what gender means and what identity means, you know, you get into quite abstract discussions. But I yes. think, you know, it's, it's ultimately it's, it's sort of working on yourself and trying to figure out what's true to yourself, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and I identify as female and... Um, and as a result of that, I've had these interventions, particularly with the hormones and so on, which has enhanced that. Yeah. And, um, but it's just funny how I try to, I've always tried to treat it as me as an individual, you know, not part of this larger group or anything, mm -hmm. you know. And, because um, that's what that is, it's just, a, it's a group, it's not you, it's not your life. No, exactly, that's, that's it's not. who you are and how you Yeah, and how I'm, you know, and how I relate to the world in yeah. this way is, is become a much richer and happier way. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I realise that there's plenty of people in the LGBT community who have, well, it's getting less and less, but a harder time of it than me, you know. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And, um, and hopefully that will change over time. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. Thank you. No. I, it's, it's one of It's those kind of tricky, isn't it? And it's, well, well, I don't know. It's kind tricky? of... Is it just you? Know. It's, just you. It's, it's also personal. Yeah, and, and exactly. It, as an individual, we are all, each of us, have our limits of how, yeah. how much we're prepared. Because it's, it's not always easy to verbalise either. I don't think the case with me it isn't always easy to put it into words mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it's just sort of connecting with the core of yourself yeah yes yeah. and nobody else can do that except yourself um, so even when you think it's quite personal it's sort of well there's not a great deal I can say you know it's yeah. it's you and yeah, yeah and that core yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very um, wi wise words, actually. <laughs> that was um, thought around a car park while we were in the car park, yeah. <laughs> How did that happen? Um, <laughs> so, on your uh, creative side, so the writing side as well, I mean, that's quite separate to, but also... It, I know, this something has kind of come about over the years that I was trying to reconcile the fact that I write and I perform as well, you know, yeah. and that's developed. And I... I, I sort of tell myself they are interrelated things, and I think they are. I think there's, without knowing precisely what it is, you know, it's not always obvious, but the process of going, of drawing, of painting, of what subjects I choose and what I write about, and, yes. you know, it's all, there's, there's bound to be some connectivity somewhere. It's all my work. Yes, yes. Um, I mean, you could say, I mean, again, it's, probably sometimes best not to overanalyze it, but maybe some with my some of my writing there's a great deal of attention to, you know, the structural integrity of it. Whenever mm -hmm. I write prose pieces it's sort of one thought informing another thought and so on and that that is structured in a whole, you know, which is more or less in a way when you draw or paint you're trying to sort of have all these different elements come together in the structure of some yes. description, you know. And writing's the same to me, anyway. Um, and the performance side of it, as well, has become something where, well, um, 
I mean, all of it is self-expression in one way or another. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, there's obviously lots of artists who work in these different media. Um, you know, plenty of artists that work with video and paint and draw and... And it's, it's very British. Do you your, think so? Your, British? Your, your British in terms of your outlook. And is that because your, your, um, your sphere of interest is very much UK-centric? UK um, really, I mean, I, that's an interesting question because I, I think with my writing, I think there's a wryness and a deadpanness in it. Yeah which I think is quite English. And I know, you know, I have like friends, like a Spanish friend of mine, and I read one poem to her, but in that poem, there was a particular phrase that you would only really understand in English, you see. Yeah, okay. So there's some things, I think it was, the phrase was uh, being left out in the cold. Okay. (laughs) And, And I incorporated it into this poem, and, or the whole poem was structured around that phrase about being ignored, you know, yeah, and I had yeah. to explain to my Spanish friend, he said, well, that's, what that means is you being ignored, you okay. know. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I think there is an element of that in it, but, but then again, you see, lots of my inspiration and source material has come from all kinds of nationalities as well, mm-hmm. and, um, but yeah, I th- <laughs> there's no getting away from the fact that there is an English streak <laughs> in some of my writing, particularly. And I've always liked things that have been very wry and understated and deadpan and um, that's always appealed to me because it sometimes it can often be the most powerful way of doing something by not overplaying it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a lot more layered, you know. There's always a subtext in my writing, you know, that's not always obvious, but if you sort of think about it, it's there, you yes, know. Yeah. Um, so going forward, what do you yeah. have? What, what do you envision? Envision, envision um, for yourself for 2022 for the rest of this well, year? Well, just that. Um, obviously, like the book, will, um, you know, yes. I'll get that, and that's quite exciting. And the book, um, book was very much um, influenced by the fact that we had so many lockdowns. And yeah, that's right. I mean, it more or less came kind of evolved from the during that two-year time period yeah it, that I think that book more or less took me two years I think okay. I mean there's one or two pieces that I wrote just before but on the whole I think it was that two years you know yeah yes. because journaling and writing regularly again I come back to that word things evolve from it you know yes and that's what happened with this book really these pieces sort of emerged from all of that and um, it's back to this idea of things being organic again you know without trying to impose a whole lot of order on them they just sort of create their own logic Um, so yeah that was more or less through whatever moods or and then the performing of it is it's really like, you know, it's really integral to it, I think for me. Yeah. So saying it out, saying the pieces out loud, you know. And, and, and mm. getting reactions back to Oh, exactly. Has that helped you sort of edit and tweak what you've written? Um, you well, funny enough, 
sometimes, but actually not often. Okay. Because I think that when I'm writing something, I tend to try it out with people that I know right. as well. Yeah. Say, yeah. well, how does that sound? You know, and and if there's anything I've you know, of course, because if you try it out with somebody else, you're going to get their perspective, you know, and it might not be something you agree with anyway. Yes. But it depends who you choose, you know. Of course, of course. And so, so, on the whole, I don't change it through performance. There's been once or twice where I have done, but it's rare. Right. It's rare. I tend to try and have it fully. So some pieces, like, they might be around for, like, months, and then at some point I'll take it and finally shape it into its form you know yeah. the idea you know the idea is sort of but now that the book has got the book coming together and yes the final illustrations for it what what do you feel is next for you in coming after this um i th i think um i think i mentioned about trying to make images which have got new content in it that's come about maybe from more collaging elements together that then drawings and paintings come from that and that's something that I'd be really keen to sort of develop a lot more because it's at its early stages really at the moment okay and um, but you know I do like working with you know this drawing commission I did recently I like that process of meeting and working with other people as well yes but it's I, th I think, yeah. Um, but then it's it's sort of down to the muse as well, which is something that again, it's just so abstract and you don't really know know what that is. But I think there's something in it, something that you kind of create, and you think, well, I'm not entirely sure why I wanted to create that, but it makes sense to me. Mm. If if the listeners, podcast listeners, want to get in touch with you or find out more about yeah. where you are, where yeah. is the best place to, I think, to contact I think the best way to get in touch is use my email, which is charker2001 at hotmail.com. Mm -hmm. And on my Instagram page, you'll see a lot of my most recent work, which is it's Seahawker 2001, I'm sure. Yes, I think so. And also, uh, with your exhibition coming up at, at St Pancras Church. In St Pancras Church, yes. which will be the autumn. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. it'll be a way for people to find out more. About yeah, that with a lot of that will be on my social media. Yeah. So I have a Facebook page, Charlotte Harker. Sure. Okay, um, well, look, Charlotte, thank you so much. That's for, okay. Um, thank you for coming over. To come on and be a guest on the Travelling Through podcast. <laughs> Thank and, you. Um, yes, keep us posted with all that's yes, going on. Yes, yeah. And to yeah. all you podcasters out there, I hope you've enjoyed our podcast chat today, our walk and talk. Uh, sun is shining brightly. I think we're going to stop and have another cup of tea, maybe. Yeah. Um, but uh, yes, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please share with your friends. Please do subscribe to the Travelling Through podcast. If you have time, it would be wonderful if you could place a review or give us a star rating. That helps our guests my podcast guests to get heard to a wider audience uh, that would be fantastic uh, but that's it for now um, there'll be another podcast coming out next week have a good week but for now take care and thanks for listening